Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Hamish Peary. Welcome to Travcast, our writer's salon where I get the great opportunity to interview writers about what it means to be a writer and the craft of writing. And today I'm very excited to have Caroline Horton in front of me, who's a writer and performer, and in 2010 set the fringe alight with You're Not Like the Other Girls, Chrissy, and her beautiful show, Mess, is currently at the Traverse. Caroline, good morning on a Monday morning and welcome. Hello. How are you? Fine, thanks. Having had the really wonderful opportunity of seeing your show so recently, I would like to sort of go back in time a little bit to you as a young person. And what what was it, do you think, was there a particular, who inspired you to think about the idea of creating work or creating ideas? I don't think I thought about it until after, until I was at um, drama school in Paris, I think. So it was quite late. I didn't, um, from a tiny child, know that I wanted to be a writer or performer. So, Not even a performer either? <laughs> um, I did theatre at school and, and loved it, but I, I was um, certain I was going to be a vet. So um, the... When I changed my mind, it was a bit of a shock to most people. <laughs> um, How late did you change your mind? Um, when I was doing my A-levels. Yeah, uh, so what, 17, 18. Um, and um, yeah, then went to university and then drama school. Um, yeah, so that it sort of happened from uh, very late teens onwards, really. And what, when you're at drama school, we're at drama school and you're just thinking, I'm going to perform, I'm going to be an actress. When did those ideas of actually you creating your own work, when did that start to bubble? That was one of the reasons I wanted to go to um, the school I went to, which was um, Michael Gollier in Paris, because it seemed to, um, performers and companies seemed to come out of it who made their own work, which had started to feel like maybe what I wanted to do. Um, instead of um, being uh, purely an actor, um, so that was sort of that was in my head before I went there. I didn't know how I'd get on with it, whether I'd actually like it, but um, yeah, that that was one of the reasons I, I wanted to go to that school. And what is it that made you you think want to make your own work? I remember um one class in the um in in the drama school when um Gollier kind of turned to us all and said uh at the start of a workshop uh, he was doing his spiel and um he just sort of said there are there are so many stories in in this room and then we spent the next month people telling some of them um other people writing them um, other people performing them. So uh, that started to give me a bit of a hunch that um, if if there's just a bunch of people, there's going to be some 
amazing stuff to turn into a play. And did, is that when You're Not Like The Other Girls, Chrissy was developed there? Or? No, it wasn't. I, I started thinking about it there, partly because my grandmother was from Paris and we were really close and it's, it's about her love story. Um, so I started to think about it, but I, it wasn't until I'd been back in the UK for a year and I'd done um, a one-woman show for a company called Tangram, um, which... Uh, I, I really loved doing. It was called Almost Ten. I did it up here in 2009, I think it was. And, yeah, I, I really loved the one-person show thing and um, thought I'd have a go at making Chrissy. Brilliant. I really like that step of the... That's quite a sort of a nice slow progression, isn't it, about going, right, OK, I really want to be a performer. I know there are stories out there. Yeah. Right, I've done a one-woman show on my own. All right, OK. I've yeah. worked out the form of this. A bit, yeah. And and had liked doing it, so, um, yeah. Being on stage on your own, I and very few people have ever done that. What's the, what's the attraction of that? Um, it's... I, th I think it, it's, it's really hard, so it, it's never... Not that performing any show is particularly easy, but... Um, and and it just keeps it so interesting. Um, in in that in you're not like the other girls, Chrissy as well. She talks to them a lot, and um, so it really changes depending on who you're in the room with, and that's that's really exciting. It, I mean, it's true of mess as well, but um, I think when it's just you, keeping that ball in the air kind of thing is, yeah, hard and exciting. So. So as a writer, that's something that I've noticed, is that you do make that really exciting choice that your protagonists for all characters have a relationship with the audience. And they sort of break out, and there's sort of a really exciting, especially in Mess, there is, there's sort of two shows going on. There's the story, and then there's the dynamic between us in the room and between the other performers telling that story, which is a really... For us, it's a really thrilling thing because we feel like we're getting something that no one else gets. It's that gift, isn't it? It's that thing about sometimes why people don't go to theatre very often like people when they don't mess up their lines because, like, oh, this is a live moment. <laughs> yeah. What's really brilliant about Mess is it feels like you're giving us hundreds of live moments yeah. that, you know, after the show, we fit, we know, okay, that was probably written. But that, like, yeah, what? I mean, some of it is it, I, and we've only performed it, what, f we did a couple of previews, but f five times now, four times. Um, it's felt different, each one. Um, just because, um, and we're getting more used to that, so we're getting better as a company at coming on stage and really trying to meet who are there. And it changes as we get better at that. It we the the mood of the the opening, the mood of the mood of the piece shifts a little bit. I mean, of course, we still do what we've rehearsed and devised pretty much, but the tone of it is um, and is is malleable to a degree, and that. Yeah, that feels really good because, as you say, it, it keeps it it keeps it fresh, it keeps it live, it keeps us scared, which is um, good. From a writer's point of view, what are the choices in that? So why did what, when you're when um, you're crafting the piece, why did you think okay, let's have that have these moments where there's another play within it? What, with the audience, yeah. Um, I think that. 
I think because of the 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 heaviness of the subject matter, um, so mess is a, is about anorexia. Um, I didn't know how I wanted to make it. I didn't know what the form would be. Um, and so this, the bunch of people who who are still performing it, we, I got them together in a room because I had a hunch they they'd be up for it. And um, we just started to play around. So it, the the form, which is very playful, which is very connected with the audience, where these three very naive characters try to put on this very serious play and don't always get it right and occasionally get it right and fall out and etc. Um, came from that just really um, real thing of the three performers um, in the rehearsal room on the very first day going, I have no idea if this is a good idea. I don't think we should probably tell this story. I think, how, how, do, we, how do we connect with an audience about this thing that no one really wants to talk about? Um, so it came from that state of, I don't know what to say, which is also very true of the illness itself. I mean, it's that's why I love um, the character Hannah plays called Boris so much. He's sort of, he's kind of the, the everyman around someone with, with the disorder who doesn't know what to do and tries everything and always gets it wrong and always will because the person just wants to be left alone. But... Um, uh, yeah, it, that that play with the audience came out of those really, really day one improvisations where we we were stuck and we didn't know. And out of that sort of state of confusion and bafflement and awkwardness came this um, this sort of game that we now have of reassuring the audience and um, talking to them and. It also felt really important with this potentially alienating subject matter to have a very warm connection, if possible, with the audience. Um, so I'm sure that was behind it as well. Yeah, it works. I think that's really exciting as well about taking that initial thought when you're first in the room and then trying to bring that through however yeah. long you've worked on it and making that last. Which it does, and it feels, that feels, I suppose that feels really truthful, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a big part of the show has became our struggle, and my my struggle particularly to make it like this feeling of um, uh, I think that runs quite a lot of the way through it, and gives um, these sort of naive potentially very crass characters some sensitivity is that feeling that kind of accompanies you all the way through when you're performing it of is this fine i don't know and that's uh it i'm getting more used to it but it's a very strange place to play from um but really exciting because it keeps you so connected with the room um i know in the first preview i've um so I couldn't quite tell what had gone a bit wrong, but I think I'd shut off a bit. I think the nerves and whatever. And so I'd sort of done everything I was meant to do, but something felt off. And it was because I'd, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't really looking at the people who were looking back at me. And there's such a huge element of this piece that rests in that 
relationship of, oh my God, I've just done that or I've just said that and there's this room full of people looking at me. Okay, and on we go. <laughs> but that's really, um, it's a really rich place as well. Because then I suppose you're, re you're, exposing and ex you're exposing your character twice, aren't you? Kind you said of, I'm actually yeah. Because there yeah. are some moments when you're looking out and you're clearly in agony. As you know, you know you're, Josephine is having a really horrible time. Yeah. And she's looking at, at her fellow performers who've let her down, who've done something they weren't supposed to do, who've embarrassed her. Yeah. And then she looks at us and we just see her eyes bulging. Yeah. And I suppose we wouldn't have that connection otherwise, yeah. would we? As a performer... Yeah. Because what we've talked about a lot then is it feels like you're very much, you're very much right from a performance point of view. Yeah, definitely. So how does it... How does, you, how does your writing process start when you start off? Okay. Um, I tend to um, tend to start from finding who, who the person is that I'm speaking from. So just really loose improvisations. Like, um, uh, and that was true of Chrissy as with Mess. Quite often costume comes in that early on. Like day two, I think, I had that dress on right. that I wear for Josephine. Um, just as a provocation and then often it becomes really, if it's not the same thing, something has to feel the same. Um, and then um, at, after a point of quite loose improvising, um, I'll tend to try and make a storyboard of the arch, uh, arch of it, arc of it. And... Um, pretty similar, actually. Yeah, I think you yeah, can get away with it. fine. That. You need to great stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed. And, um, uh, so, yeah, like, what are, the, what are the big moments in the story? For Chrissy, I found it much easier because as soon as I decided I wanted it to be um, her love story with my grandfather, it, it kind of has its own journey um through her stories and um, so on um but with mess partly because i'm close to the subject matter but i think just just harder to identify a story running through these memories that i had of being ill and recovery and and also kind of it feeling like well it's sort of like i think as we finally managed to, we changed the ending so many times it was ridiculous um but um, as we've sort of discovered, it's like it, it's an ongoing thing as well. Um, the, this story, um, so finding that very clear storyboard of what are the big things that shifted. Um, when 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 was she on her own? When did she decide she wanted to get better? When did she first realise she was ill, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And then, as soon as I'd done that, we could then improvise through each one um lots of times record them either writing it down or sometimes videoing it although I, I hate watching those back so I try not to unless it's a particularly visual then it becomes about the performance rather than about what you the content. yeah it's just distracting and I end up writing down detail rather than the heart of it and um and then from that, so I'll then have an incredibly sprawling, horrible, rough draft. And um, I'll go away and try and hone it, then bring it back into the rehearsal room and um, see how it feels and keep editing and shifting. And so by that point, you've got, you've got what you might call a first draft. Yeah. After the, after the big story, storyboard. Yeah. And do, you do, do you do pictures or do you do 
I do. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, uh, um, what do you call them? Like revision cards. I just associate them with exams. But yeah. um, what are they called? What those are they called? Bits of they're surely they're called anyway. revision cards. They're probably. <laughs> anyway, those things. No, one they are. And um, kind of put down events on each one and probably start to look a little bit insane as I cover a massive table with them and shuffle them about. Brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. It, and then after that moment, nice do you, when you've got this first draft, do you then write it? Um, I take the, the big. S- so when I've sort of notated the um, noted down the improvisations and got all these different versions of each scene um, recorded, then I go away and try and write a first draft, and then that'll come back into the rehearsal room and we'll pull it apart, and then I'll go away and do another one, and sort of an ongoing kind of tightening cut, main, mainly just cutting, and occasionally you know someone else who one of the other performers would go, ah, but what about that bit? Do you remember how... Because I'll have missed quite how something worked and um, from my notes. And, um, yeah, so it, it, it stays pretty collaborative. There's always input. And, um, and all the way through, at the end of each devising process, little, little bit of devising process, um, tend to try and do a work-in-progress performance. Because I don't know, especially with stuff like this, where it's so connected with an audience. And I think with Mess as well, we were um, trying to find that balance of um, the lightness and the um, being sensitive still to the subject matter and telling the story we wanted to tell. And it's gone through um, quite a big journey um, and the work in progress is were completely invaluable. And we'd sit and have Q&As and yeah. So they were important. Well, so it's really interesting, lots of different stages there. Yeah. Do you find, how important was it, obviously, you have an emotional relationship with this particular story, mm. and how difficult, when you were trying to tell the right, sto- the best story, as in yeah. the best piece of theatre, the most interesting piece of theatre that you could tell, yeah. was it difficult to remove your girl, that didn't happen to me, so I can't have that bit there. What's that relationship um, like? Well, during the process, I... Sp- I <clears throat> I probably read more about the illness and um, spoke to more people who'd also had experience of it so that it wasn't just from my own perspective. But I think what I found more and more was that um, so many people's experiences of the illness have a huge... Even, even if the specifics aren't the same, the the feeling of descending into it and the feeling of the recovery and what is recovery and all this sort of thing seem to be very shared. And um, that it, it served actually more than to bring other people's stories in to give me confidence that actually a version of mine would seemed to be generally true in some way. So, you know, those first moments of um, uh, feeling like, yeah, amazing, I've cracked it seemed to be a very shared thing um as did kind of accepting that it might probably always be around it's not going to ruin my life but it, it it's not I'm not going to forget it also seemed to be another like big thing that people were talking about um when I spoke to them and a lot of the people I spoke to were through it was through um we worked with the Welcome Trust and they 
although I'd worked with experts from the Maudsley Hospital from day one of rehearsals because I knew it was important to have someone to bounce things off and so that we could just play and get on with making it rather than thinking, oh, have, have we gone too far? So they were our sort of informal ethics panel. And um, That's just using that word, ethics. You mm. as a writer, do you, what, do you feel there's a... Do you have a job... As a writer, as a teller of yeah. stories, as the person that's going to make us see things, which is what you do brilliantly with Mess. do you think writers, you have a job, a role? What is your role in life? Do you have, do you have a responsibility um, as, a, as a teller of stories? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I've only written two. And um, <laughs> I've written those because they've been burning a hole in my brain for, I don't know, yeah, since drama school. So what, five, six years. And I'm, it's now really exciting and sort of odd because they're both made, which is very strange and great. Um, but... You know, I I don't know what I'm going to do next. So, yeah, there's so a be, uh, so big exciting gap. <laughs> <laughs> and will you have? Have you got time to go away and think about it, or have you got to go straight in? Have you got a development period where you've got to make? Some, have you got a pressure to make something? Um, no, I'm working with another other companies on stuff at the moment. But for me personally, I I haven't got another project on the boil. I think I discovered with making mess that that was enough. It's been. Um, I, th I mean, it, it's absolutely my choice to have done it. And um, I, I love the piece and I, I believe in it absolutely. But um, I think it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done just because of how personal it is and that process of um, creating something with other people in the room and sort of knowing it's all about you and thinking, is this fine? I don't know. Um has been has been huge so I think um working with other companies for a bit and giving myself a little bit of a gap to think like D do I want to make another one I'm sure I do but right now I just want to go okay and we've done that <laughs> yeah so. that's brilliant and then yeah to give yourself that creative space and that yeah creative time. yeah yeah definitely well I and anyone who's seen any of your shows will be really excited to see if something does happen yeah so Me too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Great. for spending the Thanks time so and being much. so honest. It's really brilliant. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.